Hey y'all, what if you really could change your life? If there was a way to be healthy and intentional in every area of your life? Good news, there is. And we show you how each week on All of You Whole. Hosted by me, Caroline Fossil, entrepreneur, wellness expert, author, and speaker. Every episode is an in-depth look at how to help you get unstuck, be brave in your life choices, and have a meaningful life all either from my own experiences or from the experts I interview. My goal is to help you build a healthy, connected, and intentional life that fulfills your greatest purpose. Today on the show, we are chatting with my dear friend, Lisa Enzer, about homeschooling. I feel like this has become such a hot topic even more after and during the pandemic and with all of the school shootings that have been happening. And last summer, I actually got some curriculum and wanted to just test it out, y'all. Like, can I even homeschool? (laughs) Can I keep my patience while teaching my children? Which honestly, you guys, I'm I'm like the least patient person ever. I pray for patience every day, impatiently. (laughs) And it actually was a really positive experience for us. And I wasn't quite ready to start homeschooling for this year, but I have just been devastated by the Covenant School shooting in Nashville because it was my community. I just have so many connections, so many friends on staff there, friends who had their children at that school, just so many connections to that community. And I have honestly just not really been able to get over that situation. And it has made me consider homeschooling even more. So we actually, at this point, are kind of like a 50-50 right now, whether we're going to homeschool or not for the 2023-2024 school year. But I'm highly considering it. And this conversation with my dear friend, Lisa, just made it feel so doable to me, made me want to homeschool even more because she describes the lifestyle of homeschooling. And it sounds really, really slow and purposeful and filled with intention and beauty and all of the things that I want in my life and I strive for in my life. So Lisa is amazing. We've been friends for probably eight-ish years now. And I love Lisa because she's similar to me in that she's always doing a million things. Like one day she's quilting, the next day she's making sourdough, the next day she's learning about the GAPS diet. Like she's, (laughs) we have lots of the same interests and we're both very multi-interested. Like we're always doing a million things. And I just felt like this conversation was so important to bring to you guys if you're interested in homeschooling or you just want to learn more like me, because not only has Lisa been homeschooling for a long time, over 10 years, but she was also homeschooled in the 80s, like back before homeschooling was really even popular. And so she just provides a really unique perspective to this conversation. And I think you're going to love this conversation. So if you want to get her Oklahoma history curriculum bundle, you can find that at pioneerspiritok.com. And also, if you want to follow her on Instagram, which you definitely do, I love everything she posts, you can follow her at Lizzie Loves Health. So without further ado, let's welcome my friend, Lisa. Welcome to the show, Lisa. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So first, for anyone who doesn't already know you, love you, follow you, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Well, online, I love health. And so I just share about all the things that I'm kind of loving, books I'm reading, things I'm exploring and trying to understand and then also implement (laughs) as well. But at the core, I mean, I have a husband that I've been married to 20 years this summer. And I have two boys that I homeschool and they're almost 15 and almost 11. So it's super fun. I love being with them. But I really at heart, I'm an artist and I have an art degree. And I've actually written some curriculum, some literature-based Oklahoma history curriculum, but I'm kind of always having different eggs in different baskets. I love to sew. I love to read. I love to travel. I love food. And so I'm always trying new recipes and that's pretty much 
probably me in a nutshell. Yes, which is I think why we're so, we're why we're friends because I'm like yes, 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 yes. yes. I'm right? like I, I cannot. I feel like people are like just focusing on that one thing, and I'm like, I, how do how does anyone do that? Like, I feel like I need 25 things going at one time, or I'll go insane. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't do just one thing. So I want to know. I feel like you're such a fun person to ask about homeschooling because you have a unique perspective of both being homeschooled and then also homeschooling your kids. So can you tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up in the 80s being homeschooled? It, well, it's very different than it is today. <laughs> I, bet. I mean, there was no resources for my mom. I mean, she had to go in person to look at curriculum. You had to buy things through a catalog. You had to go to a convention and so opposite of what it is now. Also, it was very scary <laughs> to go out during school hours. We would like lean over if we saw a police officer because no kids were out of school. I mean, it. we were like scared to be seen out in public. People would say, why aren't you in school? There was such a small percentage of kids homeschooled in the 80s and 90s. And I'm curious what those numbers are compared to today, because there's millions yes. now. Yeah, I was looking that up because I was curious, too. And the latest stats I saw said like three to four percent of kids are homeschooled. OK, so but I, I have no idea. Like, it would be interesting. That feels like a pretty low number. It does. And I do think I yeah. do think, like, at least in Colorado, it said that like 2019, it was like three point four percent and 2020 like October 2020 was like 9%. So I'm sure it has also gone up post-pandemic. I agree. And I feel like post-pandemic each year, there's more and more and more. So we're, I think we're just going to keep seeing an increase. So growing up homeschooled, I loved it. We were done by noon. We played the rest of the day. We actually felt sorry for the kids in school. And we'd go, oh, those poor kids, you know. Because we have so much free time. And so my mom was really big into play. She was really big into hands-on things. One of my very favorite memories growing up is we were studying the ear and she got a big refrigerator box and she built an ear and we had a yellow crayon and we're, you know, doing earwax. And then we had a pan and a, you know, a wooden spoon and we're doing the eardrum. And I was anything that I could walk through and touch and feel, I learned it and I loved it. And my mom loved history, absolutely loved history timelines. And she didn't feel like she got a good education. And so she felt like she was really learning things almost for the first time, like things she was in awe and wonder with us, probably even more excited. And the funny thing is I had a great education, but I'm feeling that again, like my high school brain didn't understand algebra, like it understands, like teaching it now, you know, and as an adult brain, you can handle so much more and you can understand the abstract thinking. So my mom had a really, she had a pioneer spirit is what I say about our education. She really felt that she was supposed to do it. And then anything beyond that, she didn't question. She's like, I'm supposed to do this. I'm just going to have to figure it out. Yeah. So by the time we got to high school, I have three sisters. She had a giant whiteboard and she had it taped off and every daughter and every class, she had it all mapped out what oh we were going to do for this subject and this, what were we going to do at home? What were we going to do at our co-op? And then I ended up going to a tech school for photography and so that was one more thing. And then I had a private tutor for literature and that was another thing. And so she, I call it the quilt method where you figure out like a patch for this and a patch for that. And then it might change year to year. And that's what I also do. I don't want to feel like this, we're going to buy this box curriculum and that's going to be it for forever. The beauty is the freedom of home education and for each child and each subject, so my mom did like our Bible together and we'd have the fireplace going and our kitty cats everywhere. And, you know, we would usually get dressed, but we didn't have to. And I just have this like little women image in my mind of these beautiful years that I had at home and we weren't rushed and we were outside and she wasn't perfect by any means, but man, she did a really great job. Sure. It like feels like she was. You're like, yeah. she was so great. Yeah, she did. no, she I just, love that. She did so many good things. And I had a wonderful 
wonderful experience. We were involved in a lot. And so my parents made sure to keep that balance. And I think they did a really, really good job. Yeah. Sure sounds like it. So yeah. I'm assuming that that like golden experience that you had factored into your decision to homeschool. But like when you're, you know, when your kids were going into, your oldest was going into kindergarten or preschool or whenever you started, like what were some of the factors that you weighed trying to decide what type of education was right for your kiddos? Well, I had a real integral conversation with my mom one day. My oldest was still in diapers then. So she's asking me what I'm going to do. And I actually graduated homeschool high school. I went to a local college. Yeah. And then I became a high school art teacher for three years. And so my decision played from really seeing the burnout from those kids, hearing from 18-year-olds, I just want to get out of a building. I've been stuck in a building since I was four years old. And so seeing that and seeing that they didn't really love learning or reading, I was sad for them. And I had kind of thought I would homeschool, but I wasn't sure. But then my mom asked me, you know, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know. He's still in diapers. So she said, well, tell me what your day would look like if he went to school. I was like, okay, you know, we'd get up early. We'd probably feel rushed. He'd be gone most of the day. He'd come home tired and he'd, he'd have homework. We'd spend the evening together and then do it all again. And she said, tell me what your day would look like if he was home educated. And I said, we'd have a slow morning, a good breakfast. We'd spend time outside. We would learn at his pace and probably have time for a nap. We would go meet up with friends, probably have time to cook, you know, our food from home. And it hit me oh my goodness, like that choice is not just school. It's my life. Oh, yeah. And so she said, what do you want your life to be like? Yeah. And she said, do you want to be in the car? Do you want to do pickup and homework and cranky kids and have missed the best part of their day? Or do you want to be with them? And do you want a life with them, like an adventurous life with them? And so for me, it was, I get this one life and what do I want to do with it? And so we felt like my husband and I felt like we made the choice for our family that this is the life we choose. And it's not just home education because you can learn anywhere. I mean, you can go to school and then you can learn all evening with incredible families and parents and neighbors. I mean, you can be learning all the time, but it came down to what kind of life do I also want? And so I had never heard anybody say that. I don't even remember my mom saying, what kind of life do you want? You know, because you're you're taught to choose a career and choose a college degree and everything is kind of lined up for you, you know, in your mind. So when I realized, what do I want my life to be like? Then my mom asked me, what are your family goals? And I'm like, I don't know. I just became a mom. <laughs> You're and like, so yeah, she I don't said, know. I'm still breastfeeding. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, I literally don't even have enough sleep. Like, how can I even answer that? So I said, well, I want to be adventures. I want my kids to love to travel and to go explore. I said, I want them to be readers. And I said, oh, I really want them to be kind and loving and serving. And I started listing out more character qualities yeah. that really you need to be putting that in your kids. You need to have time to put that in. And so realizing that like a perfect day with my son, my life and our family goals all of them went down one path that I really didn't feel like the other one made sense anymore. And I taught at a school and it was an excellent school and there was wonderful kids there. Um, I had such a great experience, but the things that I wanted for my kids were not to be inside all day and not to have a rigid schedule and not to be burned out. You know, I wanted my kids to really have a love of learning and to to be able to learn on their own. I love learning. I'm always setting goals for myself. I'm always finding this new thing like, oh man, what does salt do? And I'm just going to study salt for a couple of weeks. I mean, random. Yeah, I've, I've been down that exact same rabbit hole. <laughs> and I'm like, I just love that my, my parents gave me a childhood that said, mm. 
if it interests you, study it. Like we're done with the book work. You get the rest of your day to pursue your passions. And what is it that interests you? Because you have time to pursue it. And so that really made the decision for me that day. I went home and talked to my husband and I said, I want to type out our family goals. Like what's important to you and what's important to me? Because that is so unique for parents. And that is something you can do whether you homeschool or not. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Really getting clear on your family values. I know that's something that we've had to do. Ella's had a bunch of like food allergies and healing things that we've been having to do with her. And she like broke down the other day crying about how these kids at school are literally coming to school with fun dip as their snack, which is sugar sticks dipped into powdered sugar that you eat. And she's like, and I'm eating blueberries. <laughs> and I was like, Ella, she's like, I've got a meat stick and blueberries. I'm like, oh man. And so then we have to like come back to our values. Like, like health is such a huge value for our family. And like, but yeah. even more specifically for her, like Ella, we are healing your body. It might not have to be forever, but like for now, this is what we're doing. And so, yeah, I feel like everything comes back to values and deciding that for your family is so important. Well, I feel like that is such a great point that you just made, Lisa, of like, what do you want your life to look like? Because it's funny, like, I feel this way. I've never really thought about it specifically how you just said it for school, which makes a lot of sense. But, you know, we have friends who their kids, like they have multiple kids in multiple competitive sports. And they're like, well, we've got to go here this weekend and we have four games and then we go here and then we have to do this and then we have to do this. And I was like, I, I think it was probably pretty rude, but I was like, but do you have to? Like, you have to? Like, isn't it your choice? Like, whether you do this or not? And so that's how I feel about sports. Like, I'm just like, thank God Ella's an artist as well. And she, like, goes to art class and doesn't have four meets on the weekends because I just feel like that's not the kind of mom I am. Like, I, I enjoy my weekends and I, like, want to go hiking with my family and stuff. And so I think that I've th had that thought before about sports. Like, but isn't it kind of your life and your choice? <laughs> it is true. It, it's it's a real hard balance. There's a, a really good book by a gal named Jody Mockabee. She talks about what it's like to have a lot of kids in sports and then take them out. And then to see, do we need sports again for a different season? And her book really helped me because we have kind of been, we're not anti-sports, but we've been more, our goals have been more about spending time together as a family, doing things together, bike riding or hiking or kayaking or things that we're doing together. And we just entered a little bit busier season for sports. But the, the beauty of it is that as long as you take a break when that season ends, it can be a really beautiful thing, you know, and it can, it can be great for them and it, you can see them advancing, but yet also you can see, I need a break. And that's why I take off for the summer. It's interesting to hear moms. I love to hear their perspectives who home educate. Do you go all year round? Do you take a break? My mom always took the summer off and it's kind of the principle of the Sabbath. You know, you need a day to rest and to think about other things. But she said, when you take a summer off, you get to take off the cap of teacher and you just are their mom. Yeah, that's so important. And you can rest and relax and you you really fill yourself up, you know, during that time. Now, can you do different things to learn? You bet. Can you read still? Yeah. You know, you can do a lot of the things, but yet have it so much less structured that you really are resting and then dreaming again of that, you know, next school year. It's pretty much what you do with your summer. <laughs> what will next year be like? Awesome. Well, I feel like by far, like I've considered homeschooling. I've always said like, if I start doing a lot of public speaking, which is like hopefully in the next couple years, like I would absolutely consider homeschooling and like bringing the kids kind of on board with me. And this past summer, I started dipping my toes in and we had a conversation about this of like, could I even do this without killing them? <laughs> like, is that even possible that I would have enough patience? And so I, I definitely feel like by far, especially when I talk to other moms who are considering it, the most overwhelming part 
is curriculum and choosing curriculum. And honestly, I like, I love talking to homeschool moms. So I ask them what they're using and all these things. And it's almost like sleep training your child. Like everyone has a different opinion and everyone is positive that like their thing's the only way. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And so I feel like it feels super overwhelming and I love your like piecemeal quilt approach, but it almost feels even more overwhelming of like, now I have to choose math in one place and literacy and and reading in another place. So, so tell us, walk us through, like, how do you decide curriculum every year? Like what goes into that? And is it overwhelming for you or no? It is, but I love research. And so I feel like it's kind of a challenge. It is overwhelming for a long time. It is because you have to just start somewhere. Mm-hmm. So the best thing to do is you have to know yourself. Yeah. So you have to know your own tendencies and you have to know, do I want to do things like if I have two kids or if I have five kids, do I want to do a couple subjects together? Because that's an approach. But then you say, do I want to do each kid have independent work? You know, would that help me depending on how many kids you have? Since I only have two, because most a lot of homeschool moms have pretty big families. My older son's pretty independent. And then my younger son, I do a lot of his independent work with him. But we start the morning with, you could call them read alouds or morning time. And you choose what you do together. So we do history together. We do Bible together. We do geography together. Things that are pretty simple, no matter what grade you're in. So finding the things that are important to you and starting the day with those. So one of the things that, gosh, I don't know, maybe two or three years ago, it hit me. I want to make sure that we are adding beauty. So we have a record player and I got classical composers and I wanted the boys to actually like have this tangible experience with music. Everything is so abstract with iPhones and speakers. And I said, I want you to learn how to place a record and turn it on and sit and listen to music. So we got a book about a composer and we just put some music on. And then I said, I want them to know the countries of Europe and their flags because I want to go to Europe soon. And so we started memorizing those. I decided I wanted them to know art and famous paintings. So I got just a little thing of flashcards. We started memorizing them just one, one every other day, and then we review them. And these are times where they're grabbing a snack and we're in the living Uh. room or there's a fire on or we're sitting in the hammocks and we memorize scripture. And so I realized that I have to start with the very most important things first. And so that's what we always do. We start with those things first and we add the beauty. And then last year was our first year to be in a co-op and that is our science and our literature. But before that, I just chose a curriculum I thought we would like. And then about halfway through the semester, I decided, is this working? And it's so important to evaluate because with the school, they pick it all for you. And so with doing it yourself, it's more work, but there's also more freedom. This to me is a great picture of meal planning. Okay. So if you think about curriculum planning as meal planning, it's not as overwhelming because you have three meals a day, sometimes snacks, seven days a week. And if you were to look at that for from August to May and think I have to meal plan that whole thing, that's so overwhelming. You're like, I don't even know if we're going to like that recipe in four months. So what you want to do is you want to start with something. You want to pick things that you're just gravitating toward. Because if you know yourself, you're like, I'm kind of leaning toward this math that has manipulatives and it would be all hands-on and it would be less workbook. Okay, we're going to do that. I want to do history together. I love good books. So we're going to do that together. And you start to kind of do like you do with meal planning. You're like, we love this recipe, so we'll probably love this one too. Yeah. And then you want to evaluate, like, did anybody like that meal? Like, is that phonics curriculum working? My younger son has struggled with learning to read. And so I just started asking people and they were like, is he standing up? Is he using his body? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, we're learning a sound in a book. And they were like, no, a lot of kids need to move. And so I started making up hand motions 
and he was reading in two weeks. So yeah, that's nuts. I've never heard that before. So a lot of times boys and girls are on a very different path. And so the school system, bless their heart, they have standards. They have to just create outlines. They have to do that because they have a large group of people. But if you think about yourself as your, your children's private tutor, yeah, you're so wealthy, they can afford a private tutor who, who is you, um, who, who is going to pick every piece of curriculum for them. Like that's beautiful. So yeah. the same way that you meal plan, this person doesn't do gluten right now. This person's reacting <laughs> yes. to this right now. Yes, You're going to pivot. You're like that curriculum didn't work. So we're going to find something else, but the majority of stuff's going to work. Like you've got your basics and you're going to just do your basics. I always evaluate at the end of the year. And sometimes some friends and I will get together and we'll, you know, talk about what's working, what's not. We'll look at things that they're using. I'll tell them, you know, this worked really great. This didn't work great or something that works, but it's just not the right timing to continue it. Something like that. But the beauty is the beauty of it. And the hard part is, is that you're in charge, but also you're in charge. So you can say, I want to read about missionaries because this is like the craziest time in the world. And I want to build our faith. We started reading about missionaries and I was so fired up and that was for a season. And then this year I was like, I don't feel like we need to, we need to read a book about manners. So we're reading a book by Emily Post, like her grandson wrote a book about manners for men. Cool, Yeah. So we're reading about manners and it's, it's funny because it's like how to take a message on a landline. And I'm like, well, we don't really need that, but let's laugh about it. You know? Yeah, for sure. Manners at the gym, like what's appropriate, wipe down a machine. So it's funny because we have these conversations where we laugh and we, you know, we, we, I think, would I have ever thought to teach that, you know, in school? Probably not, right. But yet those are the things that I'm like, for this season, like that's what we needed. Yeah. So even though curriculum can be so overwhelming, like meal planning, and a lot of people, um, they just don't meal plan and then they're frustrated all the time. So if you prepare and you just make these decisions and you say, we're just going to use up those ingredients until they're gone and then to just then decide, do I want to do that again? That's the same thing with curriculum, but I buy a lot of our curriculum used. And so if it doesn't work, I can resell it or I can say, you know what? I'm only out. 12 bucks. I don't think that's working. I can do something else. I can afford it, but I also, I know that they're not retaining whatever it is. This really cool thing happened. I bought this math curriculum and my son was just not retaining it. So I asked some friends and they were like, oh, you need to get this book. This is how we learned multiplication. And it was stories. It was pictures. It was a story. And so the child who is super creative. Yes. And pick, they need graphics. They need to look at something. And I'm that way. We're reading these stories and I'm like, these are the cutest things I've ever seen. And it's two little sixes are thirsty in the desert. So six times six is 36, but that sounds like thirsty sixes. Um... So my son remembers the pictures, which helps him remember the, the story. And then the story is the answer. And so For kids that have a hard time with things that are abstract, Mm -hmm. which a lot of boys do. Yeah. A lot of boys have a hard time with phonics and math and things that are abstract. If you can make a picture or a story or simplify it, then they get it. But what's really cool is you get to find out how your kids are wired. Like, it's just cool to see how were they created, you know, they're different. They're different than you. And then you see that yourself in them also, you know, at the same time. So curriculum can be overwhelming. The one thing that I love to do is I go on YouTube and I watch curriculum reviews. So if you're like, I think I want to do this, just look for someone reviewing it. Usually they open the whole thing up. They go through it. Instagram, a lot of people go through curriculum. And if there's something you're looking for, like, I think I want you know, something like this, but I want to do a little bit of research, you know, before I buy it. If you're not a researcher, which is okay, you could ask people, you could, you know, join some Facebook groups and ask people, you know, what would you do in this instance? And then you start it and you figure out, does this work? And it, and if it works, then you don't have to change it. You can just use that curriculum 
like you can use that math curriculum for the rest of the time you homeschool. Oh yeah. Well, that's true. You're not having to pivot all the time. Right. Like you probably have recipes. You probably have this handful of recipes that you're like, if I have the ingredients, I don't even have to think about it. Right. And I don't, I don't have to think about it, but then you're like, I want to try something new. Yeah. So I might take a little chance on, I might spend a little more on ingredients. And that's the same thing with curriculum. You might spend a little more to kind of experiment. Yeah. But then that's also the fun of having the freedom to choose what you want to do for your kids. And do you want them to love to learn or do you want them to just get through the year? For sure. Yeah, no, no, that's such good advice. Okay, you've outlined a little bit, but I want to know like this past or like right now, right? We're in school. What does a typical day kind of look like for you? How long are you homeschooling? I feel like that's the question too, because I think what a lot of parents do is they think of the eight hour public school day and think, I have to pack in eight hours of learning for my homeschool. But from what I've understood, it's like half that or less, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's quite a bit less. For the younger years, kindergarten, first, second, it's probably two hours a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what's nice is you can take breaks. Now that we're in, in a little bit older grades, so an average day for me, I get up very early. Now, I would probably naturally be a night owl, but my husband goes to work at 7.15. And so he's asked me for years to get up with him. So we have coffee and we talk about the day at six and then I make his lunch and he leaves at 7.15. So typically I've been doing my Bible and book time. I'm always reading like 10 books at a time. And so I do my time and then I exercise. That's been the hardest thing is to be consistent with that through the seasons because I prefer being outside, but... I exercise, take a shower, and then we start our school. Now, what's really cool about homeschool is that you can flex with the seasons. So when it's really hot out, you can go outside in the morning and maybe, you know, do a bike ride or whatever, and then come back and do school a little bit later. If it's really cold out, you can start a fire and do a huge breakfast. And like we had waffles and a fire going and then we listened, you know, then we started school. So it's not as much about a time as it is about a rhythm. So we start about 9 a.m. So I have a full morning all to myself because my boys are sleeping in and they're doing their breakfast on their own. I have like a ton of time to myself, which yeah, is awesome. so different than when when you have little kids. It's very different because you have to make them breakfast and get them ready for the day. And typically when the boys were younger, I tried to get them moving and get their energy out. Boys have a lot of energy and it doesn't need to be squashed, Yeah, but you want to help them get it out. And then boys, if they can get their energy out, they can sit and listen after because they're kind of worn out in a way. Yeah. So for sense. many years, we did neighborhood walks. We would just walk around the neighborhood and we would point to things. And then as the seasons changed, we'd point out the differences. Yeah. You know, there's no leaves on the trees. Or we would say, oh, look at that squirrel and that bird. Would you rather be a squirrel or a bird? You know, we're just having these silly, conver- you know, silly conversations. So we start with our Bible, our scripture memory, all of those beautiful, kind of the beauty of the morning, we call it like our read aloud time and our history. And then on Mondays, I do a new math lesson with my older son, but we're already done. We already, we just finished his pre-algebra for the year. So it's March. So we're, he's already done with his curriculum. And then we were watching videos together because I cannot teach algebra on my own. So we would watch them together and then I was able to grade it. Then he would complete the rest of his independent work on his own. He probably finishes at about two o'clock. Usually, sometimes if he wants to play basketball or meet up with a friend, he'll go do that and then he'll finish in the evening after dinner. So I do not micromanage his time. He does have to have things done by Thursday, which is our co-op. He's in a writing program called IEW, which is pretty hard. He reads a book and science and he has to be prepared for that on Thursday mornings. And then my younger son, Sullivan, we do his work. So we do phonics and then we do whatever book he's reading. And then we do math, science, and like his literature, but we just got a hot tub last year. So we try to do all of our reading together in the hot tub. 
So we read the science. Awesome. We read Narnia or whatever book we're reading. And then it it breaks up the day. He needs a lot of variety and I need a lot of variety. So he and I, we change things around a lot. And then we have this rule that if it's a rainy day, we do our schoolwork at the bagel shop. And so I used to hate rainy days. And so now now I thought, how could I change this into something that we would look forward to? So now it rains and the boys are like, yay! You know, we take as much as we can bring there and we get bagels and hot chocolate or something. And we just sit and we just do as much school as we can. Sometimes I'll read our manners book or we'll go over flags or I'll bring some games. And those are the things that I'm like, I really want them to look back and think, man, we had such a unique education, you know, and it was fun. It was fun because and I don't know what it is about me and things being fun, but I'm like, I do want it to be fun. (laughs) I want our day to be fun. So that's kind of the normal when they were young. I was very strict about quiet time. And so they had a quiet time in their room. And my mom told me that the most valuable thing you can teach your kids is to enjoy their own company. And so you train them when they grow out of their naps, just do an increments of 15 minutes that they have to be in their room playing, not on a screen. They have to play creatively is what we say. So what does that mean? I don't know, cars. I mean, you can draw, you know, whatever you want to do. And so I was very strict. Everyone goes to their room. The door is closed. Nobody's floating around. You play and you you know, you have quiet time. And then if they fall asleep because they're tired, they fall asleep. And I would also make myself do that when they were really young. And I would not do the dishes. I would not clean up from the day. After lunch, we had our one hour quiet time. And then we started doing that on vacation. And it was like the best. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Even summer vacations, we have quiet time. And we're all like, I just need to not see your face for an hour because (laughs) people who don't homeschool, they're like, how could you be around your kids all day? And that, especially young kids, you know, because they need you so much, you have to create that structure of teaching them to be able to be by themselves. And then you also ask them as they get older, what do you enjoy doing when you're bored, when you have free time? And a lot of times that's what they're meant to do. Those are their passions, you know? Yes, I know. I try to be really cognizant of that because as a child, I like created recipes. Literally, we have cards in my mom's handwriting before I could write of me being like, chop up the mushrooms, <gasps> put on this seasoning. Like, what? Yeah. When I, was, I love that. I used to invite friends over to play cooking show. Like... <laughs> As a child. Yeah. Like we would just cook all the time, random stuff. I'd be like, mom, print out this recipe. We're going to make it. Yeah. Um, and like painting, I always loved art and music and everything. So yeah, I feel like we kind of have these fingerprints on us of like, what do we just love to do and gravitate towards? So yeah, as parents paying attention to that is so important. Quickly, can you tell us about cost? Like an average year... It's, it sounds like you're, I, I know you're really good at budgeting. And so you get used curriculum, but like, yeah. how much do you feel like it typically costs? Well, I'm super frugal, maybe to a fault, because I kind of see it as a challenge. I started selling our curriculum to pay for the next year. And sometimes I wouldn't spend any money. Wow. So I would take our curriculum and then sell it online, sell it on Facebook market. I just got such a kick out of it. You know, I I don't know who I was thinking I was like sticking it to, but yeah. it just somehow. <laughs> That's awesome. The way that I do it, since I'm able to use used curriculum, we probably spend $800 to $1,000 for the whole year for both boys. If you do a co-op, typically they're $150 to $300 a class per semester or per, per year. Our co-op is very affordable because the moms help teach it. So our co-op, is 600 for the two boys for the whole year. That's very affordable. If you've heard of things like classical conversations, it's very expensive. So that's kind of the opposite end. And that is probably several thousand per child per year. So maybe maybe a thousand or two thousand per child, depending on their year. But I have a friend, she has her four-year-old in a school a mile from our house and a first grader, and it's 9,000 for the year. For private school. For private school. So when you think about, and that's not even junior high or high school, when you think about how affordable it is, you can travel and you can, you have the freedom to try curriculum and maybe it does or doesn't work. 
we get as many books from the library as possible. I also buy a lot mm. of books used on eBay. There's a website called Homeschool Classifieds, homeschoolclassifieds.com. People sell their curriculum and you message the person directly and the price is with shipping. And so you say, is this still available? And they're like, yep, you PayPal them and you get it the next week. So and when you, so in my mind, I think of curriculum as like, maybe like the workbooks or whatever. And so we're like writing in them, but I'm assuming you figured out a way or like the curriculum is maybe the learning part and not the workbook or how does that work? Some curriculums have consumables, like, like a math might have that. The math that my son does, it was $9.99 on eBay to learn all of the multiplication charts. And that's pretty much what third grade math is. Third and fourth is like memorizing those and trying to retain them. So depending on how your kids learn, some kids are auditory, some, you know, depending on how your kids learn, do they need those worksheets? And that's what you learn. That's what you learn about your kids. Do they need the repetitiveness? Now, typically the repetitiveness is required because a teacher is trying to keep 27 kids busy. And on the same level too. Like this kid got it the first day. This kid's still struggling. Yeah. Right. So typically workbooks are for a big classroom because that's what you're used to, you know, in school, that's what you're used to seeing. But a curriculum could be a teacher's guide and books from the library. Oh, okay. So depending on, you know, like there's a beautiful curriculum by a woman named Jennifer Pepito. She has literature-based history curriculums. So you're going to buy it and print it off and you've got a teacher's guide and then maybe a timeline. And then you're going to either get your books from the library or you can buy them all. So that's a very different expense. You know, do you want to buy them all and just have them? Or do you want to just kind of be at the mercy of your library if you have a decent library? But then I was, a, I mean, you can sell that whole thing after. So if you, whatever books you do buy, you can resell it. There's some curriculums that really hold their value and some that don't, but it's really fun to turn around and say, you know, that didn't work, but I can resell it, you know? So, so the consumables, which aren't a ton of what we use, those you're just going to keep for a couple of years or throw them in the trash, depending on, you know, what you're going to do. But the things that I like investing in are probably more like art supplies, because those are the consumables that I feel like are valuable because we can orally go over our multiplication table, but then I'll buy really nice watercolors for him to take a watercolor class or something like that. Yeah. That's so great. Awesome. Okay. Last question about homeschooling. I feel like, okay, so other than like, am I qualified and the curriculum stresses me out? I feel like the other fear I hear is around like socialization of my kids and just like negative stereotypes about like homeschool people, which like, I feel like I don't have, I know a lot of, I feel like every homeschool adult I know is like super cool. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I'm like, they're like super cultured and they're not like awkward. And we like, I feel like they're all like very cool people. And so how do I feel like you've done a good job of, you know, getting your kids into a co-op into social situations, but like, what's your response to that? How do you make sure your kids are meeting friends and in social situations? Well, I think that stereotype comes from the 80s and 90s homeschoolers because a lot of those parents were homeschooling out of fear. So Mm. their kids probably were overly sheltered. And what you want to do if you were to home educate now is, first of all, you ask yourself, do I want my kids to be like other four-year-olds if I have a four-year-old? Absolutely not. No. So I don't want them to be like themselves. You want them to be like you. And so spending more time with someone more mature raises Mm -hmm. their level of socialization. Kids don't need to be around other kids 24 hours a day. Whoever they're around, they're going to be like. And so if they're around you and your husband or their siblings, they're going to be more like them. And hopefully the values that are important to your family, you're putting into, you know, their siblings. So what kids do need is they need structure and they need you to be consistent. And that is the hardest thing about being a parent and about home educating is that all of my faults are blaring. I'm not consistent enough. I'm not disciplined enough. I'm second guessing myself. But you also do that with parenting. You know, who am I to be a parent? And then you're like, well, I just am, you know, so I'm going to do this <laughs> I just thing. Am. I just am. Yeah, for but sure. <laughs> with kids, 
you want them to be exposed to things that are important to your family. You want them to be in nature more than with kids their own age. You do want them to have friendships, but you can help pick good friends for them. You can expose them to the things that are in their interests, and then they can be exposed to kids who have common interests. So I started like a small group and we met every other week for lunch and all the kids would play together. And then those became some of our best friends. And so we were like, hey, in the summer, do you want to go swimming? Do you want to kayak? Do you want to go hike? And so those were our friends. Then we have our neighborhood friends. Then we have our church friends. And then we have, I've just been friends with them. So you're friends with their friends, kids. And so the funny part is, is that we would talk to kids that that go to public school and we would be like, who do you see in the summer? And they're like, no one. And I'm like, but who are your friends? And they're like, well, I'm not really friends with any of those kids. Like I'm friends with these friends that I choose. And that's what you get to do with homeschool is that you get to pick your friends just the same way that you pick yours as an adult. Like kids go to public school and they're stuck with this group of kids. Sometimes they find friendships, sometimes they don't, but it's kind of hit or miss. And what you want your kids to really be like is more mature people. So they, you really don't want them like their peers. Yeah. And it does make sense because people are seeing that. Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, Owen is like that all the time. Owen and Ella honestly have very similar maturity levels, even though he's seven and she's 10. Not that she's immature, just that he's like, he just kind of like rises to the occasion. And he's like, mom, like he went to kindergarten. He was like, the kids in my class whine and cry all the time. And he's like, why are they doing that? I'm like, it's because you're functioning like a third grader and they're functioning like either five-year-olds or three-year-olds or whatever. And they, it's, you know, and kinder is especially crazy because it's, you get kids who've been in maybe daycare or preschool for all five, six years. And then kids who are like, what is going on? (laughs) So it's like such a rough transition. And he was like, what are these kids doing? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And the funny thing is, is like the stereotypical homeschooler that used to be a weird kid. It's not anymore. Right. It's and not. the thing is, your kids are going to be as weird as you are. <laughs> Which is pretty weird, but yes. Which is weird. <laughs> I'm like my poor kids. Like yes. they, we've got chicken feet in the freezer. Right, and, exactly. You know, sneaking in beef tongue tacos without them knowing. Like they're going to be weird already because yeah. I'm weird. And <laughs> your kids are going to be a reflection of you and your husband. And the opportunities, the vacations, the things that are important to you, those are going to be bigger in their life, less as they get older, because they're going to seek friends. And so that's when you really want to make sure you're able to help them choose good friends. And not just, this is who I'm thrown in to, you know, a room with, and Mm -hmm. then I have to make good friends that way. I mean, you know, as an adult, to have the skill to choose friends is a great skill to have. The earlier you can do it, the better. The kids don't need a ton of people around them. If they have a handful of good friends, that is going to be awesome, especially, you know, with families that have the same values that you do. It's adventuring. Yeah. No, I think that's really great perspective because I honestly expected you to be like, well, we go here and here and here and here and here and we do all these things. And it's like, no, honestly, like, and I feel like I'm learning this as an adult too. Like there was a phase in my life where I probably, it was like important to me that I had like thousands of friends, (laughs) you know, like in college or like Facebook came around or whatever. And now I'm like, we just don't have capacity for that. That's not even like maybe normal or like what we have capacity for as adults to have 30 best friends. That's just not real, you know? And so that's a great... That's true. Yeah. You know, if you think about like the the very popular Little House on the Prairie series, they didn't have any friends and they were fine. They didn't have any friends. They had their siblings. No, I know. I know. So I think, think about, about that, that You're like, it's not that extreme, you know? we're seeing friends in the neighborhood. We're seeing friends at whatever it is that we're involved with. And the thing that you learn as you mature as a parent is you don't have to prove to anyone the choices that you're making. You don't have to give excuses for why you're not doing this or that. I have told people for years, I am unbusy. I do not value being busy. And I do not look at you and think, wow, you've, you know, just crammed in all of these things because I learned people are important and people just take time, quality time. And the most beautiful thing about teaching your kids is you can focus on your relationship with them. And 
I look back at uh, at so many amazing memories that I have with the boys and some of it's just day to day, you know, and then some things stand out in your mind, but you're like, man, I didn't miss anything, you know, and they're growing up and, you know, Brooks is going to be driving, not this summer, but next. And so that this season of the childhood is ending. And so my goal has been how to make it magical. And I heard a friend, Alicia Hutchinson say, how can we give our kids this magical childhood? What does that mean to you? What is magical? Is it tense? Is it a clean house? Is it cooking in the kitchen? Is it being in nature for hours? What is magical? And I love this idea that instead of kids being this empty bucket, they are a seed with everything in them and you're just meant to water it. Yeah, I love that. So they're not stupid and empty with you just filling knowledge in them. Like a seed is what it was always meant to be. Like everything in that design is there from the tiny, tiny, tiny start. And so what is going to, what is going to be water for them? And that's what you're trying to do as a home educating mom. But as a parent, like you're just trying to figure out how do I water them and make them come alive? Mm. Oh, so good. Yay. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Lisa. If people want to learn more, want to buy your curriculum, all the things, where can people connect with you online? So on Instagram, that's where I mostly am is Lizzie Loves Health. And my website for my Oklahoma history curriculum is called Pioneer Spirit OK. And it's just beautiful books about Oklahoma with recipes and field trips and art projects. So just super fun for middle school right now. I'm working on some other unit studies just because I love to learn. And and there's things that I don't see out there that I want my for my kids. So I'm working on a couple things, but you know, probably Instagram would be the best. Yeah, perfect. Well, thanks so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you so much for being on the show, Lisa. It was such an inspiring and informational conversation. And now I'm like, guys, are we going to homeschool? Are we all going to homeschool our kids? Is that what we're doing now? <laughs> so if I end up homeschooling next year, Lisa, I, I definitely know that you will be a huge reason of why we choose this path. So thank you so much for being here. Listeners, if you want to connect with Lisa more, you can find her on Instagram at Lizzie Loves Health. You can also see everything she's up to and get her Oklahoma history curriculum bundle at pioneerspiritok.com. Thanks so much for listening and I will see you next week. 